Uh, what's good everybody we're live podcast is good this is episode seven of afternoon tea that over there is which way this way is ringe filipino man and that's not brian f i i uh well i am brian f i'm hiding my hair is what it is oh yeah you're right you are brian f i forgot about that what's good is episode seven uh episode six is currently missing from streaming platforms but we'll get it up otherwise you guys can always find this on youtube where else? Apple, whatever it is, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's There's correct. somewhere else that it is too. I don't remember to be honest. Anywhere that has an RSS feed for the most part. All right, you do your thing, Jeremy. While I write in your name. So we did have uh, episode six still in the works. We don't have it on those available uh, areas with Spotify and whatnot. But we kind of gave you a hint of what we're going to talk about. We do have our flavor of the month, which is the finals of the tours, right? Other than DBFC, we had. The Tekken World Tour Finals happened in the beginning of the month. We also had Capcom Cup happen not too long ago. And a little bonus, we had Red Bull Kumite to kind of give us like a, a year-end shebang-a-bang, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to kind of talk about it all, we all watched TWT together, at least uh, the people in this group. Uh, Brian F. probably saw it as well, but you know what? He's, he's kind of busy, right? But <clears throat> it was actually a pretty interesting story. Uh, a lot of the storylines revolved around some of the Pakistani players. Um but we saw the results of that. Steve, do you want to kick us off with how you felt about the group stages? Yeah, TWT group stages were tight. I think I love group stages. I've talked about it on my channel a ton, and I think that it's a good format for finals in general. My only issue with the group stage, and you know what's funny is I had a big issue with it, but <clears throat> after Capcom Cup was over, I was like, everything bad I said about TWT, I take it back for the rollback gods. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> that was a small, it's just small potatoes compared to what it could have been. Um, the only thing that I had an issue with is that there was no um, tiebreaker rule was not head to head. That was my big issue with group stage format. So like <laughs> if two people both had the same record, it didn't come down to head to head. It came down to game differential instead, I think is what it was, if I remember correctly, which I don't mm-hmm. like in a small group format. I think if the groups were eight players or 10 players or something, then I could find that acceptable over head to head. But given that the groups were relatively small, only five players, I think head to head would have been better. But I thought the group stages were really fun, and I thought the interesting thing about group stages is that that's where all the Pakistan players lost, right? We didn't even have a Pakistan player make it to the top eight, which was the big talking point of this entire season. And it's also a big kind of, um, you know, point to notice how huge storylines are for tournaments, because I feel like as soon as... The Pakistan players were out of the tournament as soon as some of the favorites were out of the tournament. And we were looking at like an Olsan, Chikorin, like, you know, finals and stuff. A lot of people were kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of felt like the wind was out of everybody's sails. And it tells you how important those storylines are where like when things don't go according to the the story, the lore, people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, man, I really wish it had been this, this and that instead of whatever it was, you know? Yeah. On the last episode of this very podcast, we predicted at the end our finals results right for the various tours and for Tekken we all pretty much highlighted the Arslan Ash storyline and Pakistani in general whether it be uh, Bilal also qualifying through the LCQ or uh, a wise honey none of them made it to top eight and then on the other hand we're talking about Nee snapping out everybody out of existence and he also wasn't in grand finals right so definitely I think the two big storylines did not actually deliver at TWT but overall it was a good event I'm a big fan of the group stages as well uh, I agree pretty much on every point you made, say Jam, especially about like the head-to-head thing. I would have liked the head-to-head to be the thing that was the final result or what they looked to when it came to tiebreakers. But, you know, maybe next year. Yeah. 
The other thing for me is that, um, like someone brought up in the chat room, I think it's uh, people need to know the the rules, right? So like if you're if you're going into this as a tournament player, as a commentator, or as someone working on the production for this event, you have to know the rules, right? So like when you get into that case where like Arslan has to play knee. And people are like, if Arslan loses one match, he cannot qualify. It's over. And Arslan goes into the match thinking that. That's an error on the fact of him for not knowing the rules himself. Everybody mm -hmm. else around him for telling him the wrong rules. And nobody for correcting it. Because, you know, if he goes into that that's match thinking, okay, I have to 2-0 him or I'm out of the tournament. But that's not actually the case. Then that's really bad, right? That's something that, you know, needs to be addressed. Same thing with... Uh, JDCR, he thought when he was playing Bilal at the end of his group, he thought, well, I already beat Chikorin. I'm undefeated so far. Even if I lose to Bilal, it doesn't matter here. So whatever I do, who cares if I win or lose? I don't have to play that seriously. I can just kind of coast and be fine. He didn't know that if he lost that set, that he was second seed in loser's bracket now of top eight instead of winners. So that's like a good example of like, you need to know exactly the format as a player and as a competitor so that you're not like, okay, well... Uh, I didn't know that that was the rule, right? You have to know these things. Otherwise, you have no excuse, right? I mean, it's the finals at the end of the year. You should care about the format of it if you're anybody involved with it, you know? Yeah, 100%. I agree. The The format did, like, as a viewer, have a, some problems, in my opinion, especially the, the them using the game differential. Maybe they can rectify it using different ways. Maybe letting the two players from the group stages just play it out in winners. I, I don't feel like that hurts the entire... The entire like sanctity of the event, I feel integrity. Like, integrity, yeah, mm -hmm. integrity of the event because just because how you do in a group of five will not indicate how well you will do in the top eight in a different format. Mm -hmm. Whether it be first to two or first to three, if you start in winners, they're still the best players in the world at that point. They made it through oh, the yeah. hardest group stages, and and I feel even though Ringe did make a good point saying that a lot of these storylines did not really deliver in terms of like where they happen. I feel that's because the farther you get into a tournament, the more amplified that feels, right? Sure. So we, re we really wanted to see Knee versus Arslan Ash in the grand finals right. and then Knee snapping Arslan Ash out of existence and taking the throne. That was our, like, fantasy. But in reality, these group stages made it so, Knee made it so that Arslan, he, him and Arslan Ash had a, a battle that it, like, decided yeah. whether or not they're going to go through. And yeah. also, and also, um, the new storylines that came about where nobody I, I don't think that many people thought that Japan was going to win this Tekken 7. No, event. not ever. Yeah. But that but them talking at the at the event, like their videos and little personality snips, they were like, We are going to win this event. We are the best, and people are sleeping on us, and they finally delivered. Yeah, that yeah, was for sure. Good. I thought that was like one of the best storylines to come out of the TWT finals for sure. Like, we've seen Japan on the rise, right? They definitely have more prominence in this game than they ever have before. And now they finally take the throne on Tekken World Tour. And just in general, I think everybody can stop sleeping on them as a region. I don't think people have been sleeping on them, like, this year in total. I think this year a lot of people gain respect for Japan as a region in Tekken and probably years past. But, I mean, they proved that they are the best, at least for now. Yeah, and I think the, the other cool thing about it, as you mentioned in the group stage, is, like, as long as people knew that um, Knee versus Arslan was for the, like, this was it for the tournament, I think that there would have been even higher yeah. stakes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody People have brought this up in my chat room uh, before and also today, that it would have been great with while the group standings were happening, if they showed the group 
uh, like standings with game differentials, so like plus two or plus four sure. or whatever their game differential is on the the like overlays and stuff that would have been really useful to have as well right so that you can just keep track of that kind of stuff or just throw that out the window and do head to head right like one or the other would make it very easy if you're going to commit the game differential you have to make that very clear i think and it goes back to um one thing we'll talk about later probably with red bull kumite red bull kumite had those great how to kumite videos in the breaks and stuff where oh, they taught yeah. people how to play the game dude i think have tekken having like a how the fuck the finals format works video during the finals <laughs> would have been great. It's, hey, guys, what's up, guys? It's Mark Van here. And, uh, you know, this is how the game differential works on the final. That would have been mm. sick, right? You know what I mean? Like, that would have been fantastic. Like, uh, that, that would have been really useful to have as well. So, you know, just something to think about, I think, maybe for other finals. I'm yeah, one of the proponents for game differential being the, the deciding factor. But I do see how, especially in these small groups, it really does hurt how the the outcome happens because for the commentators to announce, oh, knee won the first game against Arslan Ash. The next two games don't matter. Mm. That that really sucks for the spectator. And it really sucks for the people that are playing because why would Arslan Ash try his best against You take it away. It wasn't no even true either. It wasn't even true. That was the thing. Was it not true if, if Arslan won that, he would have won the thing? He would have moved on. Yeah, that was like oh one of goodness. the big issues. It would have changed That's the way good. it went. Yeah, because head-to-head -head is not the deciding factor or whatever there, right? So, like, you know, like, it, yeah, in that case, you have to think about it because it ended up mattering for seeding as well in groups A and C, whether head-to-head -head or game differential was the way it was decided because in the case of uh, group C, like, Chikorin, Chikorin, who won, right, was tied with JDCR, and JDCR beat him head-to-head, -head, but Chikorin had better game differential, so Chikorin went to top eight winners and, like, JDCR went to top eight losers or whatever, right? So... That stuff is important to know. Like the format, as you said, is, is important. I don't mind game differential either. I just think it's better in a big group. So like if you have a group of eight players, like I think, sure, yeah, game differential makes sense when you have to play seven other people as opposed to like four or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Have they announced the Tekken World Tour Finals 2020 in any in any fashion, in any amount of players are going to be allowed in the finals next year if they're going to do anything i don't think they broke down the format i think if i'm not mistaken they mentioned or at least harada mentioned after the uh trailer that there was going to be a twt in 2020 but as of the specific details to it like what tours are going to be or like i guess what events are going to be part of the tour they didn't really specify or at least from what i remember yeah the only mm -hmm. thing we know is that the finals location rotates so uh it's it's usually like europe asia and then na europe asia NA. like it goes like that right so obviously two years ago it was in amsterdam last year it was in uh, thailand this year will probably be in north america again somewhere like where that ends up we don't know yet right but that's how it went because remember like a few years back was three years ago i guess now it was in san francisco so it'll come back and be in the u.s somewhere or is what we can assume oh canada no. Canada. <laughs> no, it's in December. I don't want it to be anywhere near Canada. Put it somewhere please, warm. Please, God, no. Put it somewhere We're warm. We're going to South America, boys. <laughs> <laughs> about it. So, other than the group stages, we've we've talked about um some of the our, our I guess our gripes when it came to the group stages uh, and some of our expectancies. When it came down to the actual top eight, were you guys surprised with the results? Um. No, I felt, you know, what's interesting is I felt like Olson was going to have a big, big performance that weekend because he's just such a talented player and he's been doing really well lately. 
Uh, and Chikorin has been at the top of the TWT leaderboards like all year long. So it's not that surprising he did well too. And Anakin being all the way up there and crushing everybody. Like, dude, Anakin played incredibly this all oh, yeah. year long. Right? I think Anakin was probably one of the big shining points of like impressive consistency this year in the TWT mm -hmm. overall. So I'm not really that surprised at how it broke down at the end. I thought it was a great top eight. It's maybe not what everybody would have wanted in like the perfect world or storyline, but I think that the way it broke down was totally deserved for everybody there. It was cool because this is a star-making tournament, right? It's the Technical World Tour Finals. It has a lot of viewership, and a lot of these players that have been grinding out all year really rose to the occasion and delivered super well, right? Like you said, Chicker and Olsen and Anakin, I think. Three are the ones that I would highlight the most as well. Anakin, I think, got fourth place overall. If I'm not, and then I think Chikorin and Olsam got first and second. So it was a time to show up. And a lot of these players that people didn't consider stars before, maybe on a tier below the knees and the JDCRs and the Arslan Ashes, are now putting themselves on that level. So that's cool. Um, The level of dominance, I feel... You know, people really feel that they want to see close matches. They want to see the tense moments where people can make a comeback at any time, make it a 3-2 comeback. But the fact that it was 3-0, 3-0, 2-0, I feel doesn't hurt Tekken. I feel mm -hmm. because especially the storyline it going into top eight, Arsene Ash was already defeated by Nii. That was the storyline mm -hmm. going in. They were like, the next storyline that they made, thanks to great producers and great videos that people took, was that Japan was going to win this tournament. And Chikorin did it in dominating fashion. 3-0 oh, yeah. in Grand Finals. And that was it. Yeah, that's like, such a good point. losers with 3-0. Yeah, imagine, imagine not seeing them say this is a Japanese game before that top eight, right? Like, that became, like, the meme, right? Like, everybody was like, this is a Japanese game. Like, that was, like, the big <laughs> joke that everybody was running with. So, yeah, I think that in interviews and stuff like that are important for, like, moments like that where you just get that nice little snippet and then it shapes the reality of what everybody talks about for that tournament. You know what I mean? That's really, that's one of the fun parts about something like that. I think what a guy. I was Nobi pretty surprised. <laughs> I was surprised. I really wanted me to win. Yeah. It would have been cool to see it, but like at the same time, it, to see a championship elude someone as dominant as him is pretty fascinating, right? It's yeah. pretty interesting to watch him get not Evo oh. Japan, not Evo and not the TWT finals. Third place. I didn't even. I don't remember Olson three owing knee as well. That's mm. wild. To me. It was that fast. <laughs> yeah. That was actually wild to me. To be fair, we were at a Christmas party and we were all watching it. <laughs> we were. We definitely were. <laughs> so that doesn't really count. But man, one of my favorites. Are, I don't remember exactly who I picked, but we're all rooting for JDCR at least. He's so cal in our hearts, man. And Anakin showing up to destroy him and losers was actually pretty surprising. Anakin pulled out all the stops in that one as well. Well, what's interesting is that historically between them, like JDCR had a really favorable matchup. He had only ever lost to him mm -hmm. like one time, which was like the WSOE, whatever that thing is called, uh, tournament the before Vegas, Evo. Right? Yeah, that one. He had lost to him there, and that was like the first time and he was playing Armor King. And so then he switched back to Dragon Dome, and he was like, all right, you know, I got a good record against Anakin. I'll be fine. But this is like a new and improved Anakin. You know, this year especially, it feels like he's playing at the best he's ever played. So. Yeah, he um he was really impressive in that top eight, and JDCR got smoked. He had seventh, right? He lost to Anakin first round. Losers yeah, tied yeah, top yeah. eight. Yeah, yeah, JDCR got seventh, tied with uh, Low High. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dang, that's but overall the event was was yeah, it was it was pretty surprising in terms of results. Like even as like a, a person who doesn't get to avidly watch some of the Tekken events, uh, seeing some of these names in your mind, like you've seen these matches and their results, you're like you're thinking to yourself, all right, these guys are bound to go pretty far because you've seen them 
recurring top three, top five, top eights for that matter, time and time again. And the results just pretty much spun on its ass, really. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, Akuma was a big storyline coming into the game, right, as well, that we didn't actually mention here yet. And yeah, a lot of the Akumas got put down, even though he did come back in grand finals, right, as like, the checker and counter pick to Olson. I believe he said afterwards that that was the only person he was going to pick Akuma on. And clearly it worked out. So it was cool to see like Akuma not actually dominate, but then he kind of came back in the end and won anyway. So I thought it was a, yeah, it was a roller coaster of uh, emotions. When He's the out. final boss, bro. He has to show up at the very end. That's how it works. He has to be standing there at the end posing and stuff. Yeah, it was great. A lot of people showed up ready to beat him. It, it also helps that Akuma got some targeted. They were like, we can't allow this to ruin our finals. <laughs> no, more like, mm. no more meter building here. Yo, my, like, favorite part, my favorite part about that is in the sample combos for Akuma, there's no down three FADC combo, no down two FADC combo. Like, there's like, no, we're not telling you how to do the real stuff. I'm sorry. We can't let this happen. They didn't want people to know. They're like, if we don't teach it to them, they can't know. If we just don't. Don't let them know they can do that. You know what I mean? That's like the strategy. But yeah, I thought it was cool that he didn't end up being as big of a, a pain also. It would have been interesting too because, I mean, we did see Akuma obviously in the groups and stuff, right? And so I thought that that was really cool to see the character come out at the finals with a targeted pick from Chikorin, you know? Because like when we were looking at the, the finals early on, I was like, well, there's like two and a half Akuma players. Because there's some half Akuma players in there. And Chikorin was somebody who had like a pocket Akuma, but he's not really like an Akuma main. You don't see him pick him all the time. So mm -hmm. that was one thing that I liked to see actually was that he was like, he said that he was going to pick it against the Kazumi players. He was like, I pick it against Arslan Ash and I pick it against Olsan. Those are the two players. And he happened to run into Olsan in the finals. What a, what a pick to have. I mean, it just comes back to, I mean, matchups do matter, right? A lot of times you can play whoever in Tekken, but at the end of the day, if you have that counter pick, it's always a strong thing to uh, keep in your own. Should have been in a Kuma Mirror match, man. Should have saw it coming. I really wish he explained why he picked Akuma against only these players. Because I feel Tekken players do that a lot where they're just like, I'm going to pick this character against this character. And then the commentators are left with, why did he, why did me pick king against katarina why is that a pick yeah and, and then we can't explain it because we don't know how they're thinking but it obviously worked but we, we can't make these assumptions of why it worked and i don't even know if the commentators know sometimes like i feel like a lot of times on commentary they literally are like honestly i have no idea why nigo's this character against this player they're like i don't know what he sees like they like they i they can't figure it out it's like specifically i mean yeah so people are bringing up that it could be a player counter pick but like why does he think that it's a good player counter pick? Because both of them are Kazumi players too, right? So it's like, why this character against this character or this character against this player, right? It'd be it'd be interesting to know the thought process, but maybe that's something they don't want to give up either, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's something even harder for the commentators to decipher. Like, you can decipher a matchup, right? Even though sometimes it's a little wonky and with Tekken, there's so many characters and it's very hard to know sure. every matchup. But like, in games, you can decipher a matchup at least and come to reasoning why they do this. But, like, for a player, like, it's very hard to know unless you've played both the players yourself extensively. And, I mean, in situations with, like, international competition, it's very hard to achieve. It really just goes to show you how strong Tekken commentators are in that they can take this game with one million attacks and then understand, it, like, a lot of these situations and still make it super hype. And so try and break it down and how fast a fighting game ends, like a, th yeah. a 10 second round. They try their yeah. best. The Tekken commentators are beast. I'm also happy that we got to hear Rip and Steve this year too. Although Rip almost died on commentary. He almost lost his arm. That was almost uh, the end, almost bro. almost the table. 
almost lost the entire stream uh, and lost his voice for sure. Apparently, Hanzo Gonzo mm -hmm. saved the stream. Like, Steve almost mm -hmm. broke the table and Hanzo came around the corner and saved it at the very last second. So, if it yes. wasn't for him, we wouldn't Steve have had that lifted table. lifted the table up about the slam and Hanzo dove under, used his body for. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody in the back just here, sit down, sit down. <laughs> I keep playing it back because shout out to the guy who was yelling sit down in the back for for Steve to stop jumping around and pounding it's on the geese himself, dude. You have to at that point. Geese has got too much power. Uh, Steve's got too much Stand power. Up. Shaking everybody around. That was Hanzo. I've never heard Hanzo's that was, voice. That was like the that. deepest. Was that like lizard full maximum hey. lizard Hanzo? Hanzo. Sit down. Sit that down. Was, that was deep. Crazy. He had to put on his big boy voice. <laughs> yeah, but overall, even uh, as someone personally question uh seeing the entirety of the twc i think production wise i think it was a very very well done event um the surprises in store that harada had and uh mike murray had as well were pretty damn good the reveals were great uh we're all pretty ecstatic about that um overall, one thing i was gonna say is that i love the way they streamed the lcq matches by jumping between different um setups I thought that, that was a really cool way to stream the LCQ, right? Because they had like they had like I don't know how many setups. I would guess like two, two or three had different capture cards on them, and then they were just jumping between them to show different matches and stuff. Obviously, there's not always going to be perfect cuts, but I thought it was great that we just got to jump around on the LCQ and see stuff because I think that's how the LCQ should be, right? You just kind of jump around and watch all these different matches. I think that that was a really good idea on improving the LCQ viewing format because you don't want to just watch one match at a time. Being able to jump around fantastic i loved it optimal way to handle an lcq for sure for sure yeah because lcq players are fighting for their lives it's no longer i mean obviously there's gonna be amazing players at the lcq but it's no longer gonna be the best players that's why they didn't make it to the finals mm. it's going to be people that really want to make a statement and there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that are not always getting all of this the fame getting fame at lcq and that's why getting giving everyone a chance to be streamed yeah, it's always a positive thing, and it's a different format overall sure than a regular premiere event. You guys cannot hold the smirks on your face. You guys are silly, silly individuals, uh -huh. and the chat is going wild as well. So we have to, we have to segue on over to <laughs> the next topic. Actually, so I mean, LCQs being streamed was a pretty big deal over at Capcom Cup because it didn't actually happen. Um, one of the biggest parts of the combination of the tour is seeing. The players who didn't actually make it into the cup, Capcom Cup specifically, fighting for that one chance, right? And it's really unfortunate that all those players that traveled to get that claim to fame got no spotlight whatsoever. But there was that saving grace with Red Bull and other uh, people that were there, like streamers, commentators that were actually streaming from their phone, getting some of these matches. Ringe specifically, <laughs> he was borrowing uh, all the all the chargers, all the external batteries he could. To make sure he got some LCQ action. Yeah, the Capcom Cup LCQ is not streamed. What a disaster, honestly. Can you imagine not? It's like so weird because it's not like this is the year one of the CPT where like there's no stream on the LCQ and you think to yourself, well, maybe next year they'll stream it now that they've learned it. Like they've streamed it for like four years or something. And then this year there was no LCQ stream. Absolutely bizarre. But as as you said, there is the saving grace from other people, not related to Capcom, obviously, right? Like Red Bull was the big one coming through with the backpacks and that last minute scramble from everybody 
being like, hey, can we get some backpacks together to watch this? And you mentioned that Ringel's one of the people streaming it, like David and Yipes and like all kinds of people were on the, uh, what's it called? Uh, hand, you know, backpacks or handheld phones or whatever doing these IRL streams. So on the Tekken LCQ, we had jumping from match to match on different stations. On this, we had you guys jumping around between human beings trying to get the proper viewing angle oh, yeah. on the monitor. And, I had the multi-stream uh, up for that. Yo, yeah, yeah shout out to Dual Kevin for coming through for the grand final. He, he was in optimal position. I was like, Dual Kevin, you have to do it for the people. Yeah. He's, He's right in front. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, somebody brought up that David did it and he wasn't even hired for commentary. That's like the optimal person to do it because Jeremy and I were commentating and uh, we had a rehearsal that day. So we couldn't even go stay for the LCQ. <laughs> like we were there in the beginning for a while. And then like halfway through the LCQ or something, once it got near the end, we had to go do like rehearsals for the next day of Capcom Cup. So yeah, uh, what's we had rehearsals until the very end of the LCQ. And that really upset me because we were watching it on the streams when we could. Right. And I just I didn't realize Commander Jesse made it to the grand finals. I mm -hmm. thought he was done. He lost the first time against Moke, sent it to losers, and I didn't get to watch the rest of it. And I realized or somebody told me that he made it all the way to grand finals. It was just so upsetting that I didn't even get to watch it in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy run that Jesse had. It was dope. Yeah. And also, if you guys saw the footage of it all, the, the ambiance of everybody just huddling around you mm -hmm. while you're playing your grand finals match, I miss that feeling, by the way. Or being able to sit in the crowd and watch up close rather than watching it on a screen. I think that it, was a, it had a very old school feeling to it. I'm yeah. probably you know dating my age but at the same time i thought it was a very very cool uh spectacle for at least some of the players there they had a great time from what i've heard um again they had their gripes about it but um that moment was uh probably one for the ages at least yeah what did you think about the venue space there anton you played in the lcq i did not like the venue space it was mm -hmm. too small it was too packed there was no walkway um, and my favorite part about it is that we, they had these emergency streamers with the, with the phones. Right. And that's, and that's great. Like it was fine. LCQ didn't deliver in terms of the stream. So they needed these people. But even then when they, when they have stations, they could only do the middle stations because the side stations, it was like, I don't know how to describe it. There was a middle, like a dance floor, I guess. Yeah. And there's like stations on the side in the mm -hmm. entrance ways. Um, the, the entrance ways did not have mm -hmm. signal. So a lot of the streamers were like, oh, I can't, I, I'm losing my signal here. I have no internet. I cannot stream this. So they, they had to go back to the middle. And it was just not optimal even for that situation going on because we're in LA. There's no signal there. Everyone's fighting for the same tower, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they said no spectators, which I feel was also a big deal because a lot of people couldn't bring in like their friends that traveled Ooh, that into the LCQ. Yeah, but I, I get it because there was no that. space. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I'm super surprised that there's no spectators for the LCQ, first of all, right? Like, that seems so strange. And to me, I don't know about you guys, I feel like finals always have this issue, right? Where you try to figure out a place that's a good location for an LCQ, but also for a viewing experience for the finals once the LCQ is over. And I feel like, you know, like something like Esports Arena is better to run a tournament like this, right? But probably worse for like a viewing experience. This venue was not good for an LCQ at all. Not at the, all. The venue space was so small and compact and so hard to run the tournament in, right? Like, I feel like this would be fine for, like, a local, right? It's, like, kind of, like, the feel for it. It's, like, it's a bar, so it's, like, it works for a local. But, yeah, like, it's so small and compact for a venue space where you have, like, a 200-whatever-it-is person tournament. 
and it's it's just like yeah, unbelievably packed in there and hard to do. And as you said, like a lot of people were trying to, you know, they couldn't go certain places for signal or whatever. So a lot of the, the streams ended up on the same monitor even, right? Because like, there's not that many other matches to watch. So everybody's just focused on one. And yeah, we got to do a Hail Mary to the GGPO guys for my Jordans, bro. You wore nice oh. shoes that day and they got smoked, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. that's rough. And I mean, like, it's it's like a mat. It's just there's so many things wrong with that being the state of the Capcom Cup LCQ in 2019. You know what I mean? It's like, can you even imagine that is what we're dealing with here? Ugh, it's brutal. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a side station as well where it was specifically for the Pocky, the Pocky Challenge, right? There was like a bunch of setups there. I think there was something for that. where they could have, you know, had the rest of the LCQs. But I was wondering when I saw everything else packed in the middle of the dance floor, I looked at this area when I first got in. I was like, how come there's barely anybody here? Or at least it doesn't look like they're really concentrating on their matches. And I saw like the Pocky exhibition or whatever. The was you know the other thing for me is that like. And a regional finals, allegedly, these matches were recorded. I haven't seen any of them. And I feel the same way about the off-stream matches that were at Capcom Cup that were allegedly recorded. I have not seen this footage. And so the way this works, it's much like live sports or any other event, right? These, This kind of footage needs to be up immediately. Every minute that passes from recorded footage at a tournament like this and it's not uploaded, its value is dropping dramatically. Like, you know, the LCQ, if it's not uploaded the night of the LCQ, it's now the footage of it is now useless, right? Like They're once Capcom Cup starts, Patreon, yeah, once Capcom Cup starts, that footage is now useless, right? The LCQ footage no longer matters to most people. You know what I mean? So, like, if you're going to record off-stream matches and stuff, you also need to upload it immediately because that footage is immediately going to decrease in value the longer it's not on the internet in some way watchable by the viewer. Same thing with the NA Regional Finals matches that, like, disappeared and then I think later showed up or something. Like, if you're going to record that as your solution, it needs to be uploaded immediately. It's like somebody needs to be taking the footage after the matches are done and uploading it, like, on the spot. Here's one thing, though. I was going to say, I'm just going to drop a link for you guys. There's actually a condensed version of the LCQ uh, done by uh, Hamiko. I don't know who the other commentator is. My apologies. But they actually just got all the footage from all the streams, put it together in a video, and then uploaded it in a nearly three-hour video mm-hmm. and did commentary off of that, like a breakdown of it. But we haven't seen the actual official matches from the capture cards. So yeah. I'm just gonna... <laughs> Let's say what the hell? you're actually one of the hardcore people and it's like okay like even if this footage is kind of old i want to study the matchup or i want to study this character yada yada now they released a new patch so even then even for those people it's outdated like even for them it's outdated it's it's yeah like what's the value in lcq matches monday right the value of LCQ matches like Saturday even is already lower now, right? Even the value of LCQ matches on Saturday or Sunday is lower. But now on Monday when the patch is out, it's like nobody's going to watch it anymore. I remember, remember who I... was responsible for that, like actually recording the matches. I, I know the guy behind it. I just don't know who he was working for. I don't know. And yeah. He actually is responsible. I legit don't remember his name, so don't. I can't give it to you. I, um, I actually know who it is. Because he he definitely I was definitely on Twitter having a fit on Thursday night or Wednesday yeah, night. He has the North American regional finals. He was bragging about it. Like, oh yeah, I still have it in my hard drive, or whatever. At like the pre-party, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Release that shit. That's what I said in person, by the way. 
See that joke? You thought I was being sarcastic? Yeah. I'm like, no. What the fuck? But, he, I was talking to him. I was, I was, I was on Twitter making, being mad about how we're not going to get any footage at all. And then he was like, don't worry. We have the capture card. Everyone will get the clout that they deserve from winning the LCQ. Don't worry. And then, and, and the tweet's still there. If I'm not, I'm not on Twitter right now, and I could definitely dig it up if you guys want. But he was like, don't worry. They will get the clout and they will get the coverage. And then I don't see a single video from Cross Counter that shows all of this, that all of the, all of this stuff. At all. Oh, dude, I already know, man. Cross Counter is going to fucking put that shit on Patreon. It's like, hey, if you guys want to watch these matches, you guys have to be a, a monthly Patreon of this tier to get these caliber matches. That'd I'm telling hard. you. Oh my God. I'm calling it right now. You should. I co-sign it. You should. They should put the capture devices in swimsuits. That'd be tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Premium oh, Patreon right there. Boy. It's unbelievable, man. Oh, How is that... Like how is that Shut footage up, not <laughs> not on That's the internet movie. immediately? Like, stat, right? Oh, I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty good question. Yeah. But I mean, we've already kind of ripped into the uh, LCQ a little bit. Let's talk about the main event. There's another thing that went kind of uh, topsy turvy here. Uh, we had the top 32 happen for Capcom Cup after the LCQ, and immediately we saw a few things. One, the camera guy ate shit on the stage. Oh, <laughs> that was the first thing that happened, right? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I hope he's okay. Second of all, the losers matches weren't actually streamed. Yeah, four losers matches I think were off stream. Yeah. Only four. Oh, yeah. Only four. It was only four before the emergency were like, okay, we can't do that. Let's let's Houseway. have the rest of the matches on stream. Houseway four matches off stream at the World Finals, and I'm sure they were all they were also recorded like the LCQ, right? I'm sure mm. they're out there and they exist somewhere. Man, oh man, yeah. that so is I, unfortunate. If I remember correctly, they were going through the winners, uh, a good amount of them, with like sizable breaks in between. At, at some point, the outrage just got too much, and Capcom decided, you know what? Let's pull out um, the ads. Let's just keep going straight, throw in some of these losers matches, and give the people what they want midway through. I think that was somewhat of a saving grace. For yeah, I mean, they had the highlights for like you know the the losers matches, and they showed them on on stream or whatever. They're like, here's the highlights of what happened in the losers match or whatever. So like that was something that they had, but like at the same time, it's like, why aren't these losers matches on stream? You know, it's like such a <laughs> if you're planning for a tournament like this, right? It's like such an important part about the event is you know streaming all the matches in the top 32. This is our big celebration of all these players that have traveled all year long. And if they qualify for top 32, they lose. They go 0-2, and, and one of their matches is not even on stream, right? Like, that's, bru that's brutal. It's so tough for the competitors to have to deal with that. It's just crazy to even get the competitors right either, by the way. A lot of the player no, cards yeah. were mixed. And they, you know, I saw it in the back in production. They actually had the list for production. Uh, it was like four or five pages long, six pages, whatever. They always have But it. it had the players. It had their picture. It had their name. And the characters they play, just in case uh, you still didn't have enough information um, for the players. Like where they were at, or where they're from, how they ranked, the whole nine. They had a full yeah. stat sheet, and it was still like, I don't know, blown to smithereens, I guess. Yeah, if you guys don't know, they kept putting the player panels up with the wrong player's picture on there. So it would be like John Takauchi, and it's a picture of Smug. Right, like, or it's like Daigo Mahar. It's a picture true. of of Mago or something. Like, it's constantly wrong. And as he says, in most production pits, it's like that. In most production pits backstage, they have the like picture of the player, their name, their characters, their rank. Right, because they need that information to put the the panel up. So the fact that that's 
like okay if it happens once or something it's like ah uh, well somebody misclicked or they whatever right but it happened every time i was yeah. like how is this like the 19th the entire match? day yeah like at some point i'm like okay half the players are eliminated right you've got only 16 portraits to worry about you know what i mean like you i'm like there's not that many left just get rid of those old ones just now you got to focus on these <laughs> get rid of the old ones throw them out get them away from me i'm just saying like it's just crazy to me because i feel at its core capcom cup any of these tour events are a spectator experience we are way past the point of where it's a play it's a tournament that are, that are for like people that pay for the tournament it's it's for the top 32 to get exposure for to get rewarded for how they've performed throughout the tour but also a spectator experience because it's to show the best players in the world finally meeting oh, yeah. the final battle yeah. so i feel they should put more effort into the production put more effort into the storylines put more put more effort into the interviews to show personality showcases for these players that have earned their spot there but instead they just did not do any of that and it is absolutely insane to me like, I just don't understand at all. Like, we saw, like, Fujimura, who a lot of people had winning on their bracket, went 0-2. Yeah. But we didn't even see how it went down. It was a close 3-2 match against Knuckle Dude. Yep. I and saw that I it was, was a loser's match. I was off commentary, so I, like, hobbled over on my one good leg and watched the match. And uh, it, it was great. Yeah, it was a great set. If you guys ever get the chance <laughs> to see it, you should go watch it. It's a very good match. If it ever and the way they cut the highlight videos was, oh, G got a command grab. G got yeah. another command grab. Look, he started to get another. Well, that's what grab. happens. That's what happens when the whoever's doing replays or whoever's working on the production is unfamiliar with the game, right? Like what ends up happening is the way they cut highlights is the commentators get excited and they cut whatever they hear the commentators being the most excited on. If you don't know what's happening, that's usually the way you do it. Off stream matches. There's no commentary. You just cut whatever highlights you think looks good. So that's the thing about something like this is if it's a production company that is um, endemic to the, the community and scene, then they're familiar. I'm not sure who was doing replays for ESL and how familiar they are, but there's definitely some very strange, weird highlights all weekend where yeah. like the the most important part of the match is like there was one match actually where like a uh, Karen did player did a critical art and it wasn't going to kill. It didn't kill. And then the sequence afterward, which is what was sick. They played the entire critical art in slow motion and then cut after. So, like, the actual <laughs> part that's interesting <laughs> after was just gone. Like, we've all seen this You're critical joking. art a, a, a million times, right? We've seen it so many times. So, like, I was just like, on commentary, I was like, okay, that's Karen's critical art. You know, I was, like, waiting <laughs> for what's going to happen after. I'm like, okay. And then nothing happens. I'm like, all right, well, it'd be like that, I guess. And I'm not saying those are not important moments. Like, a G command grab definitely sways the game, but just the sequences are more important like not the sequence like combo like the thing that happens after the decision making to win the yeah. match yeah. or like this huge combo to win the game that no one thought was going to kill but like to everyone has seen karen super a million times we even stopped laughing after doing like in season one we always laughed we did the you know the rufus space that's opera a two thing man i still hear him i definitely still hear him in the i definitely heard no laughs at <laughs> i guess people were very angry at carrying at the tournament but no one was laughing at any critical arts at I the, the event <laughs> yeah i mean that's just the value of having people on, on production that are entrenched in the community right that know what to look for that know all of that they know so, how yeah, players I mean, look <laughs> to say the least uh so i think yeah that definitely got exposed the week that weekend yeah i don't and like you have to it's like the issues just compound you know like there's just so, it all feels like it's stacked on top of each other into this like monumental like pile of what happened you know what i mean it's like 
you just kind of look at it and you're like, what, how all these things go wrong so dramatically for an event like this. Right. And it's, it's just brutal because all of us are there and we're all fans of the game and, or in the community and we want to see our friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like you try to power through it. Right. Because like, that's the part that you think to yourself, like for, in my case on commentary, the only way I thought about it was like, all right, well, everything like you know the dog that walks in with the pizza or, or they like walk into the, the room and they're like sitting there and they're like it's fine that's like me right <laughs> where i'm like i don't know what happened everything's on fire and i'm like i'm just gonna do the best for what i can do right like whatever i have to do for the weekend i'm gonna try my best but everything else is just like who knows what's going on you know it's just such a stressful like really wild weekend so i'm like all right well i'm gonna try to keep it together and do my best and that's what i did they were long days, but I think that my portion of it, what I had to do, was really fun. So, And to give it a fair shake, there were player videos, right? And that's why how we got to know that um, Item was a big sock uh, in addition to him <laughs> giving information for CBT Online. I saw Chelsea. Water, that. That's right. Yeah, so that was pretty good. Yeah. But I did, from what I recall, a lot of people said there was a lot left to be desired in terms of how they laid the videos out in terms of like, or when. I should say, because a lot of the players were like out by the time they aired their video and all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah, there's still areas to improve even on that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, one thing about the event itself is that they had put a significant amount of time towards uh, another exhibition, the finals for Street Fighter League, which ended up running late, which kind of shot themselves in the foot because at that time uh, we ended up going live at like what? 10 p.m. roughly Uh, 10 p.m. At that point, nobody was left in the venue, really. Uh, people stopped watching. I, the viewership went uh, was significantly lower after that, and the players themselves were absolutely fatigued. Yeah. So as much time as they wanted to highlight, or just highlight in general, uh, SFL, they kind of didn't get to do a good job of that, unfortunately, because I mean, of how poorly it was running in the beginning. From my perspective, I was there at six in the morning because of ESPN, right? So by the time SFL was starting. I was like, I'm not involved with this at all. I'm getting out of here. Like, if that had started when it was supposed to at, like, 5 or 6 or whatever, you know, I would have probably been like, oh, cool. Like, no problem. I'll maybe, like, stick around and watch a bit of this. But I had to be back at 6 in the morning again the next day or whatever. And I'm like, hell no. I got to get out of here and go to sleep, you know? Like, I got to be back. It's like I we finished at, like, 8 p.m. or something. As you mentioned, SFL went live late. So it's like 8.30 or something or 9, and I have to wake up the next day at 6 in the morning again. I'm like, well, oh, yeah. I might as well go sleep so I can get eight hours of sleep or whatever before I have to work tomorrow. So, yeah. like, everything was just pushed back, and it was such a long, grueling day. And, yeah, anybody who, like, you know, had to play an SFL at that point, after being there all day long and everything, and you guys, like, your energy levels, the crowd is non-existent. It's brutal. Oh, we tried. We tried very hard. <laughs> we ended at midnight, actually. Yeah. Or we left at midnight. Yeah. But it was really unfortunate because they wanted to highlight some Street Fighter League and take some uh, cuts on some of the losers matches and they kind of dropped the ball on both, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like especially if their plan was to compromise the LCQ out of streaming existence, I feel like Friday would have been a great time to do SFL. You know what I mean? Like, why not have SFL headline Friday, handle that then, do like a half-day stream for SFL and then Saturday, Sunday, do Capcom Cup in full. The matches are all on stream get out of there easy peasy right that's what you would assume but well some of the players i some of the players that were involved in street fighter league were also involved in the lcq right so i guess that's one of the overlapping Mm -hmm. situations yeah i guess that's true too but there's got to be something right there has to be a way to do this better yeah maybe like 
because the LCQ ended around like what 7 p.m. or even earlier, like 6 p.m. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that late because I remember when we went to go get dinner, it had like ended. So yeah, so maybe do like the LCQ a little early and then SFL that night or something. I don't know. It could be done. I hear you, but yeah, for uh, for all that, but maybe I don't know. UG was also part of it too. The Friday venue space was not rented out for the whole day. I remember the like they they had they had us leave at six thirty. Oh yeah, right they when it ended. And they out. were like, "You guys need to get out. There's another event going on at seven. We need to clean it up for that event." And I was like, "Holy, <laughs> relax! Like it just ended. Just give us five minutes, and we'll all get out." And we couldn't even use the elevators anymore. We had to use like that really shady staircase. Yeah, of the warehouse. Oh, in the back. Yeah, yeah in right. the back. That it was so shady. I was like, and there was like a guy sitting there that I was had nothing to do with the event, and I was like. Please just let me through. Yeah. By the time Moke was raising his arms, they were yelling at us to get out of the venue. That yeah, that was like the staff for the venue was like, "You guys got to get out of here right now! Get out!" And I was like, "Oh boy!" <laughs> yeah, I saw that video. That was pretty rough. Man. See that. Yeah, they do, kicked do them out. They were like, "Hey, chat. we got a we got a club hap- or a club event happening here. You guys got, you guys got to scram." Something that I hate though is that Capcom took credit for all of the. Um, in in real life streams that were happening at the event, they were like, "Don't worry, it is streamed," and I feel that like Capcom just needs to completely like cut their losses and be like, "We did this so wrong." Um, the people that complained about like people defend Capcom in this instance where people complained about the laggy setups and they're like, "It's no way that that's Capcom's fault because we had great matches," but I don't get why they just don't blame capcom and they they want people to forget about this happening and people will forget unfortunately that this happened but they, they really do need to pay like a consequence in terms of like people boycotting or them taking you know i mean and the topic of like capcom taking credit for the irl streams come on it's very clearly not them, right? Like, they're not planning to do the IRL stream. There's human beings there with their phones doing it, and Red Bull was the one that stepped in and was like, hey, we can help hook Correct. you guys up with some stuff. So, that like, there's no involvement there, right? They chose not to stream the LCQ. Just, go, like, exist on that hill, right? Like, that's the choice <laughs> you have to make. If, if nobody likes that choice, well, it's a choice you know you shouldn't have made, right? Like, you can't just be like, well, everybody, these guys, we gave them permission to come in and stream the LCQ. It's like, oh, could you imagine if Capcom had been like, no, you guys don't have permission to come in and stream the LCQ. No eyes only. We'll just have it uploaded. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, it's... That's wild. Yeah, that's silly. And also the lag situation. I forgot we should talk about the Ooh, lag situation. That's so, where my... Oh, my gosh. Can I can I just preface it with this real quick? Um, So, obviously, this happened at NARF. We were in a group chat prior to this happening. I was like, please, can we stress test the machines so that we do not experience this at NARF again? And they're like, everything's okay. We got this covered. I was like, all right. <laughs> I'll give you a little bit of faith on this one. Went into it, and then boom, Steve hit him with it. Yeah, everybody was saying that the player two setup was laggy at the tournament. That was something that you and I <clears throat> had, I've obviously asked about, right? We were like, hey, let's make sure that the setups aren't laggy, et cetera, et cetera. Let's make sure that there's no issues on stage. We're not downloading Apex Legends or whatever, right? I don't I knew know. It. So the, here's the thing for me. <clears throat> I don't know what the setups were like. I don't know if they were super laggy on player two or if they were not laggy on player two or if there was any lag at all. I actually don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I have no, honestly, I have no clue what it was because some people are saying, well, the setup they use doesn't actually lag. Some people are saying, well, the setup they did, you know, I felt it, it was really like, I actually don't know one way or another. 
So for me, I can't prove or not prove that there was lag, but the players are complaining about it. <clears throat> and the thing for me is that they tried to alleviate this situation by resetting consoles every time we took a break and like bringing in new stuff or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Uh, and like, you know, I don't know what the situation was with the actual lag or not, but like the fact that it was a complaint at NA regional finals and Capcom Cup back to back is definitely concerning to me. It's like, okay, we got to figure it out. Is there lag on these setups or not? They need to be tested one way or another. There's one thing that really kind of irked me or really rubbed me the wrong way in the, the beginning phase of top 32 Zenith went up to play and he mm -hmm. immediately noticed it and was dropping significant amount of like, combos and just his movement in general was off. He stopped mid-match, raised his controller towards uh, the guy on stage. He's like, hey, man, there's an issue here. Can you test it out? Or at least can we get somebody to fix this issue? The guy literally grabbed the pad, started messing around with the controllers to see himself. And I was like, I don't see a problem. Move on. At least that's what it, what, that's what that's it, what looked, it looked like, like to me, too. That is what happened. That is what happened. Immediately after, well, not immediately after, like midway through, Momochi was just about ready to play his match and stopped everything. Was like, no, I need a translator out here ASAP so we can fix this monitor. And then what happened? Literally, like Kenny was there for the translation. Yeah, there was no translator. Were there, there was no translator, so set. Kenny had to run on the stage and do the translation. We should yeah. say that. <laughs> but they didn't even let him play his match. They stopped it for him to fix this issue. And I'm like, yo, where was this earlier with uh, Zenith? This was unfair. Like, Zenith was, this is his moment to shine, man. He worked so hard to get here, and you guys are just going to do him like this? I thought that was very, very disrespectful, and I was pretty upset about it. Of course, I had to hold it in during the during commentary, but I was just like, man, I, I can't believe they did this to Zenith. And at the same time, like, when Momochi stopped it, they were just like, all right, we'll, we'll fix everything right now. You know, it has to do with the so the social capital because Zenith even said he was like, it's because I'm a new player. They didn't even give me the light of day. Like, but I was like, Zenith, you were dropping the easiest Minot combos. I, I saw it immediately. Like, who drops Crouch Fierce into the orb, into the, like, the V-Trigger orb? Like, yeah. no, Minot no Minot player, especially a Minot player that made top 32 into mm -hmm. the Capcom Cup would drop that combo. It was just yeah. an easy hit confirm. And it, it doesn't matter how many nerves you have. It's just an automatic button. And it just dropped because of lag. And they're like, nah, it's fine. You, you have to play through. I, I think, there, I there think especially no after the suspicions at any regional final, there needed to be like a significant amount of thought into testing the setups and whatever they do to split for head to head. You know what I mean? Like they needed to, in my mind, it should have been one of those situations where they have some kind of test that confirms it, right? Like they're like, hey, look, here's the lag test on both setups where you can show you that there's no lag. Because sometimes players complain about lag on setups that have been tested and shown not to have lag, right? But yeah. if there is any doubt in their mind, it will affect how the player plays, regardless of whether there's lag or not. So you need to prove that the setups are not laggy, right? You just need to show, like, hey, look, we tested them. They're fine. Trust us. Especially because the NA Regional Final 1 was, like, the console was downloading Apex Legends, right? Like, that that's, like, absolutely yeah, it's, like, I mean, come on, <laughs> right? It's, like, all right, well, that's that's probably a problem. But that's where I'm at. The Zenith in the very first game of the tournament also means that just switching out the PS4s, it's not the problem solver, right? Because it's not just the PS4 getting hot and then affecting the game that way. Zenith, it was the very first match of the... So, yeah, there's problems. Right. He was like the third set, actually. They didn't play Punk versus Zenith first. I don't know why, but... I think it was the second set, but... It was second or third, yeah. It was the second, because Machibo started first. Yeah. Yeah, but second match of the tournament shouldn't be a problem, right? And Machibo was kind of feeling it, too. I think he was on the player two side, if I'm not mistaken. He had, like, these weird-ass head tilts when I was looking at the confidence monitor. But apparently, yeah. the setting itself had to do with the monitor. 
uh, if I'm not mistaken. So I've heard all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't even know what's going on with the setup, but some people have said it's the way they split it. Some people have said it's the monitor. Some people have said it's the game. Like, everybody has a different theory about what the lag is. Like, for me, I just want to know, like, what the actual issue is. It'd be great to have the exact setup and have it tested. You know what I mean? To see if there's, like, any issue. So that's what I want to know. Because, like... You know, we have so many other events where this is not something that's complained about. So, like, if this head-to-head setup is what people are complaining about, it'd be nice to test it to know one way or another. Or test other head-to-head setups to be like, okay, that version of this way to set up head-to-head is laggy, but this one is not. Or whatever, you know what I mean? Just so that we can confidently say, hey, this setup is the best for a tournament environment. Yeah. At least, uh, I mean, the the following day, some of those problems were alleviated uh, into, what, top 16? Going into top 16, the matches were actually pretty damn great. I mean, we were going into it kind of heavy-hearted. At least I was because of how it all went down. But Sunday was quite the spectacle. I will admit, the matches were probably the best I've ever seen in Street Fighter Five. Yeah, I think the matches were, like, the best part about the tournament, obviously, right? And that's, like, obviously the only thing that's uncontrollable by anybody. It's just the players playing, and the players are just that good. So, like... What they do, none of us have control over. None of the tournament organizers, the venue, none of that has any ability on that. It's literally just the players who will exist and play at this level regardless of who's around or what the setup Mm -hmm. is or what the setting is, right? So they were the best part about the tournament for sure. We had a couple of surprises as well. I don't remember exactly who picked what for uh, the player to win it all. I picked Big Bird, if I'm not mistaken, uh to win it all because i thought he was looking pretty hot going into the capcom cup finals i don't remember who i said on the show but i picked fujimura in my bracket you said do on the show here and then me and ringe both said punk and we yeah. were so close you yeah. guys were. So- yeah. i thought it was over he was up 2-0 looking great oh man yeah i mean what was that he was in a winner side he played with cammy which he wasn't doing too bad with he was up 2-0 i, I would say he yeah. did drop two die kicks though like it was just the jump light kick special or the jump medium kick yeah, special. Yeah. And I was like, this is grand finals of Capcom cup. Why is he dropping this? So I believed his lag tweet immediately after. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, like the people say, Oh, punk says that the setups are laggy. The only time I've heard him complain about the setups is any regional final where the console was downloading apex legend so that we can drop mm-hmm. somewhere where we drop in. And this Thanks, event Kenny, where a lot baby. of people complained about lag. So, like, people are like, oh, Punk always complains about lag. But, like, both of the situations, I feel like, seem pretty warranted, right? And then even, it was funny, because that Red Bull Kumite, he did an interview, and he was like, yeah, the arcade's kind of laggy, so it's not always the best to play there or whatever. And the chat was like, ho, 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 the arcade's laggy. And I'm like, y'all motherfuckers are so stupid. The arcades are hella laggy. They They are so incredibly laggy for all kinds of games. Like, the arcades are hella laggy. They're unbelievable. You should ask any of the like Guilty Gear players that have gone to Japan before from the US, they're like, how the fuck do human beings play on this, right? It's really <laughs> bad. Like, the arcades lag like crazy. So, and Tekken in the arcades is horrible. Oh, it's god-awful. So, yeah, that that one cracked me up, too. Exert is legit. It feels like four-frame lag online when playing in offline. I've done it in Japan. I've played on the online yes. arcades. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, both of these events, like maybe Punk is complaining about lag in general, but both of these events, I I would believe that there's something going on with the setup because like any regional finals downloading stuff, this event, lots of people complained about lag, not just him. It was yeah. actually weird to me. Why was Idon player one in the grand finals? Like Punk was player one throughout the entire event. So 
they always event. they always made the higher seed player one throughout the entire yeah. tournament. The exception is when they did Idom versus Phenom, and then Idom was on player one for whatever reason, and then they played into grand finals. They just had Punk come set up on player two because Idom was already on player one. So that's the re- that's the first time I think Punk had played on player two that tournament because he was hmm. the first seed, right? So yeah, that's just so I believe him. I was like that was his first time on player two. And he, that's the first time he was dropping the confirms, and I was like, okay, he 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 played amazing that weekend. He like decimated everyone three zero except Problem X. So I definitely believed him, and I feel like players or like the spectators are always like, yeah, he's just complaining. It's just scrub talk. But I can't believe it. But you just have to you have to sometimes just an inkling. So sometimes look into it and be like, okay, I believe the player this time. Mm-hmm. And I feel that was the Capcom cut for me. Um, but I know I'm winning this game. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> Two Americans in grand finals again. Yeah, fantastic. Always a big fan. Uh, you know, I always just think back to that great tweet Logan Sama had in like 2016 where he's like, no American will ever be in the grand finals of a premiere event. What a guy. Genius. <laughs> Isn't he? What a tweet to make. Fantastic. Yeah, James actually said that backstage. He's like, you know, uh, if this happens again, it's actually Logan Sama's fault because he, he has that curse with him. He actually said that in the back too. He was saying that Americans wouldn't get uh anywhere near grand finals uh or at least when he was talking to james or something. they were saying that every time f word and logan commentate top eight americans win that's how it works mm. and they're two for two so far which is hilarious <laughs> let's go yeah. just give it to them every year yeah get some bottle of water isn't it it's the power of f words american persona whose name is escaping <laughs> hillbilly jack it's hillbilly the worst jack. thing i've the ever best. heard in my life i don't do like a british accent because mine's horrible and i would ask the same of f word you gotta retire hillbilly it's he's it's been a long time since that was a viable reference to what americans sound like come on bro <laughs> come on brother <laughs> like you gotta get out of here. <laughs> you just Come on, man. You got to get out of I got to watch that. Go on, get. Go on, get that Go critical get. art. Seg says he took care of that. So, okay. I hope it's oh, it's geez. over. What are some of, favorite, some of your favorite matches in top 16, by the way? I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but. Well, it's I like not top 16, but top 17, uh, technically. Daigo Tokido was great. Really, really, really fun oh, set. Yeah. Down oh, to the yeah. wire. Really fun to watch. I was a big fan. I don't think this was top 16. I think it was like round one, actually. But Bonchan Smug, big fan of that. Bonchan Smug Bonchan. was first match. It was fantastic. It was so good. There's a lot of great sets this entire tournament. Oh, that was actually. super close. Yeah. I like Bonchan. And he was on player two side. But go ahead. I like not, not Phenom and Tokido, where mm. Phenom hit the double stop and it chipped them. <laughs> and I was like, that did so much chip. And everyone was like, I did not know that did so much chip. Yeah, and... that was so sick. That was a great set. Dude, I feel like every time he is in a top, like he's in any tournament, people are like, Phenom's going to lose 0 and 2. Like they never think he's going to do well, and he just crushes everybody and plays fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my favorite was uh, Idom versus Infectious, the Battle of the Machines. <laughs> that shit was sick. Like outside of the game itself, man, it was so damn cool. Terminator 1, Terminator 2. It was yeah, sick. I thought it was cool. I don't know. I loved it. I got me glued to the screen. I was like, holy shit, these guys are gonna implode. One of them is gonna crack. It was a good ass tournament. I think the the like matches, it was good ass tournament. All the matches were fantastic. Capcom Mm -hmm. Cup, there's there's so many good matches. It was like through and through a really fun tournament to watch for the gameplay, right? I think like especially now that it's not happening live, like going back and watching the matches, it's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Pug versus Problem X to another one that was just an incredible match. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, always good. Those two always have great sets too. I wish I still had the fantasy bracket where people won prizes for the fantasy bracket. I want to see how many people actually had Idon winning this tournament. Nah. Oh yeah, I need to see. I need to shake these people's hands and probe their brain. I know. Or Fujimura, if they had Idom winning the bracket and then Bonchan and Fujimura both going all in two, wizards. It's probably like a cat wizards. from a bodega in New York. <laughs> like it's like the only explainable reason. Dude, I was in a pool. I had punk. I almost had a clean American twenty dollars from that Canadian Kenny oh. Omega, and then Idom oh. wins, and no one has him. No one had item in their pool. No one had item. No one got one. I thought it would be like the winner would be like the person who gets the closest to or who gathers this uh, the most amount of points. Gotta win. It's the win or nothing. Is it like change these rules? It's not horseshoes, bro. You guys all had had two two players each. Oh, all two players each. Okay. Damn. Your wallet. Another (laughs) saving grace from the tournament this weekend or that weekend, I would say. Um, they had the patch for championship edition available that same evening if mm-hmm. i'm not mistaken available yeah. at midnight was what it was uh they even had the stations up at the after party which shut down at 7 p.m <laughs> but it was uh enough time for people to get their hands on it i was and, home i didn't even know that happened that's hilarious yeah it ended at 7 p.m i got there at like 6 30 and they were closing i was like what the hell i, I only got to play like one set with logan sama on stream and that was it Oh. Jeremy his that. ultra wood can versus your guile the after party ended at 7 p.m i think so i'm pretty That's sure hilarious. it did who commentated oh, the sure after party stream segas it was like matt edwards and jammers mostly yes it was yes it was and they were talking about seth a good amount as well and just um the characters overall that the people were playing and talking about the v skill twos um and whatnot everybody yeah. was playing their main characters and stuff so Trying to figure out the new stuff. Yeah, but they yeah. weren't playing like V Skill Two. They were like playing to win. I was like, "What are you guys doing?" Yeah, <laughs> people are playing to win. I mean, well, the, I cool, heard... the cool part yeah. about CE at least is that we've already had a big uh, tournament for it with Kumite, right? Oh yeah, Ooh. they definitely did. Yeah, I think that was a a pretty great way to end the year. Also, uh, we were all up for that, right? It was a reasonable time. It was like six p.m. to two a.m. three yeah. day event. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I already forgot what happened on Friday, actually. <laughs> it was a LCQ, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay, now I remember everything. Kubo, Kubo won the LCQ. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Storm Kubo faced off against Infiltration in mm-hmm. Grand Finals. Yeah. Uh, and Infiltration actually reset the... No, was yes. it? Yes, infiltration reset the bracket? Okay, cool. God, you're yeah. getting old. I am getting old. You're getting dude. old, man. What he the hell? He brought it to the last so, game last round. That's right. Infiltration yeah. got smoked by that Ken player in top eight. The, the really Ken cool and then he ran it back in grand finals and it went to the very last game i think very last round yeah yeah so kubo kubo won lcq and then main bracket was really really sick you know we've talked a lot about capcom cup this weekend and or you know this podcast and stuff kumite was like the, the inverse like i feel like there's so many nice things to say about kumite as an event like all the stuff they did with the video packages the how to kumite which explained who the players were and also like gameplay stuff like here's how to anti-air like those are fantastic they had hamako the japanese commentator work with them to create a bunch of those videos to explain how everybody you know, who everybody <laughs> was and stuff there's fantastic filler content and it's something that i think that all the tours should adopt i'm sick of seeing blast from the past matches from like three years ago <laughs> it's the same like five matches and it's like super i think it's whack i think we need to evolve and have some better video content in the breaks or better content in general in the breaks 
So the Hatakumite stuff is fantastic. I thought the um, whole entire tournament was really fun to watch. There was some like weird audio stuff on the English stream in particular. We could hear the Japanese handheld mics. So like you know, it's like the two of them talking, but also like a Japanese voice in the background, just like <laughs> so desolate. Like it's like so loud. It's, <laughs> it's like I can't. It was weird. But overall, the tournament was really really fun to watch. Fujimura got the W there, and um, it was a fantastic tournament. I really liked Kumite. I yeah. love the break, the break, the news breaks. Um, yeah, a lot of people. The news anchor lady was the best. It was like an infomercial. Yeah, I feel like everyone likes these kinds of um, what do you call it? Um, creativity, but a lot of people are hesitant to do it because they they they're afraid to be seen as cringe because it's kind of like a creative event that sometimes would miss. Mm-hmm. But I feel we just have to try it because I'm tired of seeing a Street Fighter Four match that happened four years ago. You're right, but yeah. I'm tired. Of- I mean, it's all, it's always the same. It's always LPN doing wake up stand roundhouse. <laughs> it's I see that all the time. It's the NorCal like, bias. Yeah, I I see Luffy reflecting Sagat all day all day. That that's a rewind that we always see. It's always the same. And I feel if people didn't think of the the judgment that people would have if they didn't hit, I feel we would have a lot a lot better content. But we we definitely even have a content problem now in the FGC, right? People are afraid of getting I guess there, there's a reason why there's not that much content, and I don't know what it is, but... Well, so, the good yeah, news yeah. is that Seglia says no Street Fighter 4 blast from the past this year. I'm assuming he means 2020, because in 2019, I saw some. There was one at Canada Cup, if I remember correctly. Well, to there highlight are... something that Anton touched on was about like the creativity. I think that's really what made the How-To Kumite series, because it was you know informative, which is great. But I think that being presented in a very bland format is going to lose a lot of people very quickly. But I think the How-To Kumite videos had a lot of personality, right, because of the news anchor woman and the format. It was just so clean and concise that I think that is what really put it over the top. Yeah, it was really well done. The script was great, and the, the topics they picked were really good, I thought. Like, I, I think they did a good job. <clears throat> yeah, and, um, I think they did a great job of, like, breaking down the players as well. Although one statement was kind of questionable about Punk uh, being born on the streets. But his reactions are godlike, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> born funny. on the streets thing. I was kind of curious about that. I was like, what do you mean, born on the streets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I um I also think that the when Anton brings up that they're afraid to be, like, cringy or creative and stuff, I think the prize was a good example of them not caring. Like, it's a samurai helmet, and the way it works is everybody has a token Ooh. and these crests. So all 16 players have crests. And the prize is there's a box with 15 slots. So everybody else that loses puts their crest in there. And the winner gets the helmet, a giant samurai helmet that you put your crest in the oh, front of it. Man. That Dude, is so MAC tight. Masters did that shit too. They did it first. And that was such a great idea. You take their soul with you into the helmet after you've such a good idea it's an incredible prize right like it's you can't there's nothing like that you know what i mean it's such a unique trophy i agree it was great because not only is it like a prize that it really feels earned right because not only you get the prize at the end for winning the whole tournament but you got everybody's soul in that bitch with the yeah dude it's so sick oh man (laughs) yeah and everybody gets to hold their coins like you get the ceremonial like passing of it when you lose. Like there's just so many good things about it. Yeah, it's really it's a fantastic prize. And the way they handled it where they in Winterside they always did winners interviews and then they did elimination interviews with like the players when they lost or whatever when they put their crests in. I thought that, that was a good way to to do it where they like let them say like their final thoughts when they left, like when they were eliminated, but not just when they lost, right? I thought that was a good mm-hmm. idea. I think it was yeah. a really cool trophy. Oh, yeah. 
their decision making when it came to the interviews was pretty spot on too um as you mentioned like when it was like the first set of matches they always interviewed the winner and when it came down to the elimination they would get interviewed as well i thought that was super smart i think it was a very very good decision for them to do that because you get their final thoughts or at least their thoughts going into the tournament who they have next and then their final thoughts of the players i think yeah. that format needs to be done more yeah, it was really cool. I thought Kumite overall was a slam dunk of a tournament. I couldn't say enough nice things about it. I enjoyed it through and through. Like, it was a very Japanese-style tournament to me, but also, like, a very, pretty. I'd say, well-done event. Like, everything about it was really cool. To me, like, it wasn't that different from most events in terms of, like, how the matches are presented and the commentary. Like, all that's normal. Just the big Ws are... The prize, the format, and the um, how to Kumite series. The, that's those are the big wins. And to me, that shows that you don't need a lot of extra bells and whistles. It's little <laughs> things that you can improve on that I think really help. Right? It's not like all right, we had a fifty million dollar prize pool. Like I don't care about that. <laughs> I don't even think that there was no prize money actually for winning the tournament. You won the stick and a helmet for winning first, and second and third oh. got sticks. That was the prizes for Red Bull Kumite. I also got to say the MVP of that weekend was absolutely Z for doing uh, four different jobs at once. He had commentary, translator, um, host, interviewer. and then interviewers. Well, I guess I guess five too because he was all doing all the extra content for the breaks as well, where he would go into the arcades um, and bring the history of like Street Fighter and just like fighting games in general and bring people to these arcades and talk about some of the lore behind them. Uh, yeah. When he did some of the talks about uh sbo i thought that was near and dear to my heart he got to talk to <laughs> the players there as they're playing street fighter 4 and like what got him into street fighter 5 as well and then get to see the new generation play off against each other in these same arcades i thought that culmination of the fgc history was pretty well done by z yeah that was cool i thought that all that content was well received too especially because they were playing against this viper player and i was like who is this viper playing player they're playing against and i just see fujimura chilling in the background fujimura. and i was like it's the legend himself it's the famous <laughs> He's a really high-ranked Viper player in Street Fighter 4. And people didn't know that. A lot yeah. of people don't know that, that he was just that good on Viper. Yeah. But because he didn't like travel at that time. Yeah. <laughs> There's always people like, that's what is cool about the invitee list for this tournament too. Like Mo, uh, YC Mochi was there too. Like it's somebody that oh, was yeah, like a really good legend. choice. Yeah. I like that tournament a lot. I think they did a good job. It's crazy yeah. how they made it feel important despite the prize not having millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars with fgc not esports yeah <laughs> or the more advanced esports yeah it was I a think great that's... way to kick in the new patch too i think seeing all these new v skills at the lcq um seeing how the players adapted to the changes and 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 man fujimura using v skill 2 with ibuki as well was in the grand finals is pretty damn good this stupid tire man oh <laughs> this tire oh, is the... Is that what you were doing? <laughs> Freaking stupid tire. I saw it and it's I was so like, good. this is my life for a year, huh? It's going to be so good. I can't wait. It's so cute. He's... Oh, like, you can't... Shit. Come on, man. That's adorable. It's like, come here, good boy. It's like... I love how Jeremy can immediately make the noise. <laughs> it's not hard. It is. But overall, the event was fantastic. I think I had a... We all had a great time watching it together. Uh, I hope you guys did as well. Any final thoughts regarding Red Bull Kumite that you haven't said already? Fantastic. Do it again. Uh, yeah, I would say it just really shows that when you appeal to these fighting game players, like we're lucky to have a lot of players with good personalities in our scene, right? So if you appeal to these players in interesting ways with the format or with the layout of the event, they're going to respond and they're going to give you a show like we saw Kubo versus Strider. We got to see Infectious just walking out, not high-fiving everybody. Like They're going to give you and deliver on those moments. So I'm just glad that they got the platform to do it. 
the, everything has been said. I agree with all of it. I love, I actually especially love the little tidbits of player interviews. I've, I've always loved player interviews. And people, even back then, when they thought they were cringy back at SCR 2011, where it was um, Get Your Tournament still doing it. Mm. And um, I'm 2K, baby. That's what I'm saying. I loved it even then, but like people were like, it's too intrusive to the players that made top 16. But that was like the only time I learned who Latif was. That was the only time I learned who these players were. Yes. were. And the premier events, there's so many of them that all we can keep track is who won or who got the points. Just points. And, and then getting, and then not, these players are not just a number. They're people with personalities that, you know, are marketable. And they just don't know, they just don't have a lot of opportunity to do it other than to win the tournament. And this is a good opportunity to do it that a tournament event does give them over, you know, having their own content or having their own stream. Right. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, I, I, don't know if the Kumite series in general from Red Bull does any other fighting games. Maybe if they open that up to other fighting games as well, it would be pretty cool to see. Nah, going they into just 2020 run Street Fighter, Street Fighter Kumite every year. That's their shit. Mm -hmm. They just do one Kumite a year. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's usually near the end of the like it's a sometime from like November, December kind mm -hmm. of event usually. Yeah. This time, I, I mean, think we it's have the first a... time it's been this late before. How do you get invited? <laughs> Drink how Red do Bull you get long? invited? I don't know. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know the process. <laughs> I don't know how they. Well, obviously they invite the Red Bull athletes, but then after that, I think they just try to spread it out amongst people over the globe mm. who are interesting. Mm. I guess I honestly don't mm. know what the invitee process is like. All right, so I mean, I'm pretty sure we've covered majority of our topics here. We did have like another one, but uh, considering the time, I do want to ask: When are we going to get together again? For the next podcast, Steve. So I'm thinking before Evo Japan. That's what I'm thinking about for us. Since me, post Evo Japan in January, I'm super busy. And we do these once a month. So we have to do a January one. So whenever Brian F. is free, probably on the 10th <laughs> or 11th, I imagine. Because Brian F., you know how he is. He gets cranky when he doesn't eat all vegan beans. And even though he's not vegan anymore, he's weird about it. So He needs to go he, to Chipotle at least once a week. But that's what I'm saying. So he couldn't make it this week or the last time we did it. Uh, because he's been out of town for family and stuff both times mm -hmm. and so uh yeah the next time we do one brian i'm sure will be around and he'll say what up we're gonna i'm gonna try to do it like mid-january before you go japan maybe i think is maybe the next plan for that yeah uh so keep in mind that's probably the next time we'll do afternoon tea mm -hmm. that sounds about right and to me there'd be a good amount of time where see he has been like even more fleshed out and so i think the next time around i would definitely like to dive in to some of the tierless discussions that happened mm. this yeah. week on twitter so we could definitely go into that as the game gets fleshed out a little bit more especially with uh seth coming out uh towards february seeing how the where the players are at in anticipation for this new character yeah that's a good idea i think that's uh sounds like a slam dunk to me and then we'll do it again in february sometime oh yeah big time after the, after right, the game comes out <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll also be closest to the dragon ball fighters uh yes. when is that it's at the beginning of February, I think, 8th and 9th. Ooh. Yeah. So at the closer to the end of January 1, we could probably touch on that. That's why I want to do it mid-January, because I think my schedule is like Evo Japan, oh, yeah. and then I have to go somewhere the weekend after, and then the weekend after, that's Dragon Ball, which I don't Maybe know if I'm going to France for that, but like if I'm not, I'll probably be restreaming it, right? Mm -hmm. So like one way or the other, I'll be busy with Dragon Ball that weekend. I'm sure everybody else will be too, so that's not like a good weekend, I think, probably for the mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah, so there it is, guys. You guys have the info of what to expect, when to expect it as well. Uh, for everybody that's tuned in, we thank you guys, and we hope you guys enjoyed all the tours, the culmination of them this month. Let's hit them with the socials. 
Anton, actually, you go first. I'm pointing the wrong way, but Anton, <laughs> where can they find you? On Discord, you're up here. On the on stream, Discord. you're somewhere else. Ooh, yeah. You can find me on, on Filipino Man on Twitter, twitter.com slash Filipino Man. Just spelled regularly. Sagem thought it was a zero. It's, it's, it's a no. And then on Twitch, it is a zero on Twitch. So Filipino <laughs> Man with a zero. So that it's very confusing. But right now, I'm not on Twitter because I'm currently focusing on something. I'll be back on the 19th which is pretty close right so yeah. yeah that's those are my socials go ahead range well you know not all of us are so privileged to have clean twitters like anton i'm at range <laughs> underscore still such a shame aren't you about oh. to hit like three thousand followers i am about to hit 3, i definitely have more followers than the guy that has range at least last i checked but it'd be like that sometimes it's all good uh unfortunately or well, not unfortunately but uh, the opposite of filipino man i'm just range on twitch though so at least oh. I, got <laughs> I don't have to put something weird in my twitch at least uh but yeah man look out for me on twitter some events coming up and of course you know some people have been telling me that there's like some D stuff on the horizon here in you know i I, I might not know anything about that i might know some about it. we'll see mm-hmm I might have spilled the details on that on my Twitter, which is at oh. viciousfgc. You can find me, find me on Twitch at the same handle, Instagram. All of it is the same. Um, that's how you can find me. And then, of course, you guys are tuning in to twitch.tv forward slash sayjam. Yeah. So my Twitch is sayjam. My Twitter is sayjam. My YouTube is Superman sayjam. I think sayjam will probably get you that too. Uh, you guys, you know the deal. Uh, D&D show probably looking to be very early into the month, uh, probably first week of January, it seems like. That seems like the plan currently, although I have to send a message to make sure that we're good on that. And then uh, I also have my stuff ready to do a solo podcast as well. So I'll probably have a couple of podcasts coming out besides uh, a couple of things coming out besides just this podcast on the channel. So stay tuned, everybody, for all that. Uh, thanks to all of you for all oh, this way for coming through to the podcast. Thanks to all the viewers for coming through. I'll send everybody over to Yives for Battle of the Strongest. Uh, y'all have a good one. We're going to head out of here and get some food and stuff. Have a lovely day, and I'll catch you guys Hot now. chicken. Peace out. Hot you chicken. Piece of shit, Sipes. You're a piece of shit, you hot chicken <laughs> craving motherfucker. Let's go twitch.tv forward slash ifsipes.